Well, all right. Did they not do an awesome job? Like I said, Pastor Robert and Laura will be back. Uh, anybody know what day they're coming back? I know they'll be back for next Sunday. They're coming back Friday? Perfect. They'll be back Friday, so y'all be praying for them. They've got to get on an airplane, fly over the big pond. So that's always getting on the airplane with all the TSA stuff is usually a challenge for our pastor. <laughs> so he's got his wife there to keep him, keep him intact. I told them one time they were... Uh, we, my wife and I, I don't remember where we were going. We are going somewhere, and TSA pulled Tracy over and was doing one of those searches for him, and I said, what are y'all looking for? And I was a little irritated, too, and she said, sir, we are searching for bombs. I said, I did that for a living. You ain't got a clue what you're doing. And that started off a chain reaction that did not go well. <laughs> Needless to say, now I keep my mouth shut and just go through. Try to. Take my boots off and go through. Y'all get your Bibles out? <laughs> go to Hebrews 12.6 and just hold your finger there and we'll get there here in about 10 minutes probably. But I want to, I want to, I've got, before, and I'm going to tie this into the rest of the message here, but I've got some tips for raising children. And then I'm going to tie that into how we're the children of God. And, uh, but I've got some tips. How many of y'all are raising teenagers or under right now? I'm going to, get you, I'm going to involve you here in just a minute. You're going to get in this. You're getting in this. So how many of y'all know that was a challenge? It's a, it's a challenge. Raising kids. But I've got three tips. I want to go over those right quick. First tip is, is, is the home is a safe place for kids. I mean, there's discipline there. There's instruction there. But the home is a safe place. And the best way for the home to be a safe place for children is daddies love their mother. Mother love their dad. And if you can provide that for a family, Man, those kids will grow up with a, with a new outlook or a different outlook on life. And even, even those that say, well, I'm divorced and the parents over here, at least get along with their mom. At least get along with their dad. Because that, that family unit right there, God, God put it together. God made it. And you need to do the best you can to, to provide an atmosphere for those kids. That's number one. Number two is teach them to tithe. Everybody say, what? Teach your kids to tithe. That is the one way you can set up for the rest of their life that they are in partnership with God. And those kids will, will thank you. I've got two boys. Both of them have said thanks for teaching us to tithe. We see it now. We see it coming. We see it working in our lives. I was driving down the road probably 20 years ago, and... I don't know, you can say God spoke, you can say it was me in my head, I say I'm not smart enough to figure it out, so I'm saying God spoke, okay? That's the way I'm, I'm looking at this, God spoke. And I'm going and I'm thinking about business and, you know, we put up metal buildings and stuff, and, I, and in my head says, how would you like a uh, partner for life? And I don't remember exactly how it went, but it went something like this. I said, yeah, man, a partner would be okay. You know, he said, I'll set up... 
every bit building you'll ever have to build, I'll take care of that. I will make sure that, that you don't have to stress about uh, jobs coming up in life. And how many of y'all know in a small town trying to be self-employed, that is not the easiest thing to do? I'm like, great. What's this cost? You know, what do I got to do? Said, you know, it's, and then I say the Lord said, just tithe. Just give me 10%. I'm the silent partner who's going to set you up for the rest of your life. And I have seen that happen. I've seen God do it for the last 30 some odd years or 20 years or however long since 19. Y'all do the math since 1989. Was that 30? 30 years. Seen that. Teach your children to tithe. And number three, and this is where y'all come in. How many of y'all have ever raised a child through their teenage years? Stand up, please. If you have raised a child through their teenage years. Okay. Now, how many of those kids never got in trouble and never did anything stupid? If you had one of those kids sit down. One that did the one that never did anything wrong, sit down, please. All right, all y'all who are raising children now, have y'all seen this? You seen where we're going here? All right, sit down, please. And here's the next thing. Here's the third thing about raising children. Do not bail them out when they get in trouble. Because they're going to get in trouble. It's their job to get in trouble. It's your job to set boundaries. It's their job to see how far they can push you in their bound- those boundaries. Do not bail them out. If little Johnny gets in trouble at school, don't go griping at the teacher. Little Johnny probably needs to be in trouble. And if they come home and say, well, it wasn't my fault, well, let me tell you another story. In 1985, I went into the military and was sent to Fort Dix, New Jersey. We get there for the first, maybe the second formation. Day before, night before, drill sergeant says PT, which is physical training. PT, 0500 at the parade field. Perfect. PT 0500 at the parade field. So we're standing there at 0500. Drill sergeant standing there. He said, first squad. He said, all accounted for. Second squad, all accounted for. Third squad, missing one. Fourth squad, all accounted for. So we're missing one guy. Here in a minute, one guy comes running and gets in line at about 0502. Drill sergeant says, Platoon, attention, right face, forward march, double time. And here we go. Running, just running, just going. We just left the PT field. He goes uh, about half a mile into this, and somebody says, Drill Sergeant, where are we going? PT field. Like, that's not good. We just left the PT field about half a mile ago. So here we go. We make about a two-mile circle. We come back, right back there at the PT field. He gets us all there. He says, platoon, y'all ready to do PT today? We're like, 
Thought we just did it. Nope. Push-up set-ups for about 30 minutes. Drill sergeant says, for, or uh, platoon. I think we were, th- I don't remember what, I think we were third platoon. Third platoon. Y'all ready to go on your morning run? <laughs> yeah, we just did this. Here we go. On our morning run. And we go do our two miles or whatever it is, and we come back. And we get back to that PT field, and that drill sergeant says, first pl- or third platoon, I think I'm going to call him Private Smith. I don't know who it is. Do you think you can help Private Smith be on time tomorrow morning? Believe we can. You know, we never had a problem with anybody being late after that day. Because even Private Smith, who was just late getting in there, didn't want to be late. So that from that point on, we policed each other. We, that's how they grow a military unit. And I'm telling you, if you, it wasn't my fault that he was late, but I got in trouble. I had to do, I was the one out there doing all the running, and it was all him. But we made sure the next morning that he was there on time. He got there. And he made sure we were there on time. We had people that were designated to run around like at 0430 making sure everybody's out of bed. But we did that. That drill sergeant never told us to do that. We came up with a group on our own and said, ah, that ain't happening again. We're going to make sure we get there on time. Say that to say this. It wasn't my fault when it, that I was late, but I had to run. And sometimes it may not be little Johnny or little Sally's fault if they get in trouble, but don't go bail them out. You'll make them a productive part of society if they realize there's rules. And let them follow them. Make them follow them. Which one? Got Michael back there. <laughs> Chad's out front. He's, yeah, he's, he's at the front door. Uh, I mean, I'm glad I lived in a, in a town like this where, where when you got in trouble, <laughs> you know, it wasn't really detrimental to your, the rest of your life. Uh, youngest son over there decided he was going to run from the cops one day. <laughs> Which happened to Bill B. Bill B. B. Bill Dean in his Jeep. And Michael figured, I can outrun a Jeep. Well, he did. Just around town. I don't think it was a high-speed chase. If it was, don't tell me. So Bill just calls me up and said, Hey, Dwayne, where are you at? I'm sitting at the house. I'm going to come visit you. All right. So Bill comes up there, and we're sitting on the front porch, and he tells me what's going on. And about that time, a little later, here comes Michael. I'm like, you think he didn't know where you live? You think he don't know who you are? So Bill writes him a ticket. I mean, at that point, Bill said, what, you know, what do you want to do? I'm like, he's got a consequences for actions. Ticket, whatever. Well, what if he does community service? Perfect. A kid would rather not work. He'd rather somebody, any kid would rather mom and dad go pay a fine as opposed to go pick up rocks in a field somewhere. Right? Community service. So I think you did community service, right, Mike? I did plenty of that myself. But that's, that's, that, that, that's the character building on the inside of a person. 
And again, I said, how many sat down and said their kids were perfect? Not one of y'all sat down. So those of y'all who are raising kids, your kids are going to get in trouble, but do not bail them out when, when they do stupid stuff. And they will. Now go to Hebrews 12. Well, I wait, wait, I got, let me give you this. <laughs> my, this one, my wife. It says in Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of, drives it far from them. That goes against today's teaching. That if you're going to be political correct, you're not going to spank a child. That goes totally against what the Bible says. Now, I'll give you this. I did have to apologize to both of mine a couple times, well, here just lately, and say, you know, I probably shouldn't have done it when I was mad. I probably should have taken 30 minutes and cooled off and then come in there and give you a little whipping. But, but foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and I don't have the rest of the scripture there with me, but uh, put up 22.15, Proverbs 22.15. But the rod of reproof drives it far from them or something like that. The rod of correction will drive it far from them. But you see what it says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child? You think there's a lot of foolishness going on in the world today? Maybe because they didn't get their butts whipped? I'm talking from Washington down. <laughs> there's a lot of foolishness going on. Proverbs 29:15. put that one up there. Ooh, I got that one on my phone. I was going to read that in several. I'm on phone. I'm going to read this in several. I'm going to read this. This is the same scripture I'm reading, just in several translations. It says, "My wife got a hold of this scripture right here because she looked at me and said, it don't say nothing about you. This is talking about me.'" I went, "So, mamas." A rod and reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces his mother. To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his mother shame. We were in Radcliffe, Kentucky in 1988 at a... Uh, Golden Corral, and we're sitting there eating, and Chad's probably, he was born in 85, so he's two and something, and Mike was born in 87, so he's about a year old, and we're sitting in there eating, and a, a lady comes up and says, can I just ask y'all, so those are the two of the most well-behaved kids I've ever seen, what do y'all do? And Tracy said, we whip their butts. <laughs> about like that, and that lady said, that's child abuse. Tracy said, what do you do with your children? She said, we put them in the corner. And she said, Tracy said, now that's child abuse. Because a child left to himself brings his mother shame. Amen? All right, now go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 6 says this. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he received. That word chasteneth right there? That word means to train up a child, to educate, to impart. So God is, is looking at us as children, and he's got to figure out a way to impart into you, train to you. But how many of y'all, have y'all ever had an angel come down and whip your butt? No. 
So that, you know, so kind of, my, I'm going to explain what I think, how God disciplines us. Because it's not, it, he's in a spiritual realm, we're in a physical realm. It's, it, how does God discipline you? It goes on, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with, with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? That word chasteneth means tutorage. It's the same, just a little version of it, just a little different version. Education or training. But did you know what it says in verse 7, if you endure chastening? If you endure the training? You know you have the ability right now to walk out from under God's training and just leave. You don't have to be trained by God. He's willing to train you, but you don't have to be trained. And an untrained person is not... An untrained Christian is not doing his part in the body. So let me give you four ways on how God trains us, disciplines us. This is what we need to sit under. This is what, how God takes you and gets you from point A, spoiled brat teenager, to point B, a productive member in the body of Christ. There's more. I'm sure there's lots more. But these are four of them that I've got. The first one is God trains you when you're reading the Word. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and I will tell you another story on myself. When Chad and Mike were in, were in uh, high school, and Joseph and Zach, Zach's on vacation. Uh, Zach's been playing the steel guitar for us, but, uh, you know, of course, Joseph does drums and got Chad and Mike. And uh, when they were in high school, they were the number one ranked Class A basketball team in the state. So that we lived and breathed basketball. We went all over the place playing basketball. And I noticed that I could get really irritated at a referee. Could you? They're all looking at you. I could get really irritated at a referee. In a basketball game. And so one of those episodes happened. Matter of fact, at halftime, Chad was actually the, uh, I think it was his senior year, he was actually the captain of that team. And one of the referees came to Chad and said at halftime, when they're coming back on the court, getting ready to start halftime, he said, you need to tell that guy, that guy, and that guy up there, they need to keep their mouth shut. (laughs) Chad went, it's my grandpa. My grandpa and my dad. (laughs) You go tell them. (laughs) So needless to say, got a little mouthy at times. And after that, I'm reading this scripture. Uh, Let me find it. Let me go to it on this. Talking about how God disciplines you, one of those ways is reading your word. Uh. It talks in verse, I'll just start in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love or charity, I have become as a sounding brass, as a tingling symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my my goods to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Then it goes through this, what is love? Verse 4. 
Love suffers long. And I'm, I'm reading this after one of those basketball games the next day at home. I go, love suffers long. I go, eh, work, eh, okay, got that one. Eh, kind of got that one. It's kind, eh, probably work on that one. Envieth not, okay, doing pretty good there. Charity vaulteth not itself, eh, all right. Is not puffed up, okay. Does not behave itself unseemly, okay. Hmm. Seeketh not her own, eh, doing pretty good there. Is not easily provoked. And I never read the rest of it. Because that, God spoke to me and said, you are way easily provoked. And I was. I mean, I was like, guilty. I'm. And so from, that, I don't remember when that was, to the 2000s, the early 2000s, when they were playing from then until now. I have, that's one of the things that I'm sitting under the tutorage of, is not be easily provoked. And I've missed it sometimes. But other times... I don't know if anybody in here has been easily provoked, but you can feel that feeling coming up on the inside of you, and you're going, okay, this is it. And I've learned to go, remember that basketball game going, don't make a fool of yourself. Don't be easily provoked. That's one of the ways God disciplines you. By you reading the Word, get a revelation, you see something in it, and you go, okay, God, you're speaking to me right here. Okay? Second thing is hearing the Word of God preached. How many of y'all know Bill Dean? I, people say, well, why don't you say new? He's passed away. No, Bill Dean is alive and well. Right? Well, I'm going to see him again. People who pass away, I dislike hearing them talked about in the past tense because they're not. It's not the past tense. So Bill Dean, I got through preaching one time. I don't, mean, it, it, I don't remember Sunday morning, Wednesday night. I got ready to leave, and I couldn't have, well, I walked back there, and Bill stopped me and said, didn't like what you said. <laughs> okay. I said, what did I say? He said, and I would have never remembered this, but I can tell you to the day what I said because of what he told me. He said, you said that I can't make you mad, I can only pull out the mad that's in you. Bill said, I don't like that. I said, why not, Bill? He said, well, because people make me mad, and you're telling me it's my fault. <laughs> I said, well, I'm telling you, it's, they can only pull out what's in you. Jesus walked around all the time getting spit on and everything else, and he, never, I mean, he didn't act the way we do because it wasn't in him. He never allowed the world to put that stuff in him. We've allowed the world to put that stuff in us. Then when we get our strings pulled, we react. We react. And that's all it is, is you find something that makes you mad. It's just touching something on the inside of you that God's sitting there going, hey, you need to fix that. That's like going, going uh, have you ever set out traps, try to catch raccoons? Did you put rocks on the, ba- on the trap for bait? No, it's not going to draw a coon. Find you a nice red bird. Put a red bird out there. For all the game wardens out there, I didn't do that. (laughs) I found it dead. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) digging a hole. (laughs) 
find something the raccoon likes, put it on the trap, you have a better chance of catching the, the, the coon, right? The devil has a better chance of catching you if he can find something that is on the inside of you that you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to take care of. So Bill, back to Bill, I'm getting ready to walk out. He told me that. I don't like that. Then he turned around and said, good preaching, keep it up, but I still didn't like it. <laughs> Walked out. <laughs> and talking to him after that, for several years, he would come back and tell me, you know, he said, I'm working on that. You know, I, I got mad the other day and said, I know it's something in here. So that's the second way. Third way is your conscience. God will speak to you through your conscience. If you've done something, how many of y'all ever did anything wrong and went, golly, I shouldn't have done that? That's the Holy Ghost speaking to you, going, look, you need to correct that. You need to work on whatever that was. And the fourth one, and the last one, is the still small voice. The problem with the still small voice, it's a still small voice. And our, our lives are so loud and full that we very rarely take time to listen to the still, small voice. Because he's not going to yell at you. you got to spend some time. You gotta, I found the best thing for me to do, the times when I can hear the Holy Ghost speaking to me the most, is in, in the shower, because I'm not singing. So I'm in the shower. Or driving in my truck and turn the radio off. That's those two places is where... God tends to speak to me. I did. I preached a message about this, and you're going to love this one, Darlene. It was with your son. Remember that? <laughs> I was trying to make it a point of that the world keeps throwing stuff at us. We get so busy, and it's hard to hear the still, small voice. So what I did is we moved a bunch of these chairs right here, and I took Robert, her son, or Frankie's son, I, he said he would be a guinea pig. I said, perfect, I need one of those. So I took about, I don't know, eight or ten number two steel traps, and I set them and laid them out here. Now, you step in them, you're, you're going to get, I mean, it's going to hurt. And then I had him take his boots off, and I blindfolded him. And we went, he stood right there. And I said, I'm going to lead you through this. I took the microphone. I wasn't speaking in the microphone. And I told him, and I had worked with the sound booth up there, and I said about halfway through this, y'all start turning the music up. So I didn't have my microphone. So he started walking. I said, take, take one step forward. He'd take one step forward. Take one step to the left. I said, there's a trap right in front of you. Don't, don't, don't step forward. Take another step to the left. Anyway, I got him through about halfway through that, and then they started turning the music up. And he couldn't hear me. You know what he did? He stopped and would not move because he can't hear me. The still small voice was gone from his life. And knowing the dangers in front of him, he was just like, I give. So then we turned the music down, led him right through it just by talking to him. Take one step forward, take one step to the left. That's what the small, still small voice will do to you and do for you in your life, unless you're too busy to hear it. And in, if you hadn't figured it out yet, there's lots of traps out there for you. Amen. Those four things, if we can, if we can work on them, will make you a productive 
member of the body of Christ. And that's what we all want. We want to be able to stand before Jesus and go, let him say, well done. You let, you, you let me work on you. You let me use you to the fullest extent in this life. Amen? Amen. I'm done. Stand up. Frankie, do you have a, you have a prayer team? Got a prayer team? Okay. Prayer team, come on up. Y'all remember to pray for Robert and Laura? Like I said, they're over there. <laughs> Last time I talked to him, he said the wind was blowing about 30 miles an hour and sand was everywhere. <laughs> uh, well, Father, I just thank you for your word today. Lord, I just thank you that, that you just instill on the inside of us, Lord, the ever, ever tool we need to get through this life. Lord, I just thank you that you bless these people right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.